The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Make Life Work, the show that explores people and culture and shares some ideas on how to improve both. Your host is Kathy Ellis, and she will entertain you and share insights on how to make life work. Now, here's Kathy Ellis. Hello, this is Kathy, and I am back. This is my fourth show. Um, and then I'm still just as nervous as I was the first day. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about making your fam- making the household work, and um, getting the- getting everybody to cooperate with the family and decreasing the stress in the household. This creating independent thinkers, which is ultimately the theme of this show. Creating independent thinkers really starts very early on in the household. And people don't always understand that things like structure and limits and boundaries and expectations of a household are what helps a child develop into an independent thinking and behaving adult. So I'm going to go over a number of things today and hopefully you'll be able to use some of these things at home that, that you'll find them to be helpful hints. Oftentimes, through 35-plus years as a therapist, what I've realized is oftentimes it's just a little bit of change or a little shift that will make a world of difference in a person or in the relationships or in a household, in a family. I want to put out a disclaimer. A lot of the tools I talk about and other people talk about, about working with children and in, uh, in a family, are not always effective when you have other problems going on, mental illness, significant learning disabilities. And I don't mean just with the children. I mean any member of the family, Uh, personality conditions, marital strife, drug and alcohol abuse. All of those things really are a different issue and need to be addressed before one's able to get a family structure and household to work smoothly. I really strongly encourage people to get help for these things. Sometimes, like I said, just a little bit of help goes a long way, but nothing's going to happen. No change ever happens, as you all know, unless you take a step. I think the biggest reason people don't seek help is they don't want change. It's too comfortable. The old patterns are too comfortable. That also applies to a household. So when there's a chaotic household and now one of the parents wants to shift that, the culture of that household is really going to pull for that old temperature, for the old behaviors and old patterns, because that's what's familiar. So you're fight, it's like a quitting smoking or something. You're really fighting this in, almost indelible pattern um, before, you, before any change happens, if that made sense. Behavior and attitude of children is a response to you his or her life, and it's shaped by genetics. Parents really personalize their children's behavior and attitude and what they say. Sometimes it's near impossible not to personalize them. But a child's personal self, what they say and what they do, is not an affront against the parent. It may end up that way, but that's through conditioning and and they're developing defenses mechanisms and such. Children start out wanting to be with their parents, wanting to spend time with their parents. Even in the world of media and all these distractions, they still want to hang out with their parents as long as their parents aren't mean and, you know, 
spiteful and belittling and all that because nobody wants to hang out with that person. But children want to hang out with their parents and guardians. They've all told me. And I've looked at some of their parents and guardians and thought, really, you want to hang out with them, huh? But they do. They love you. They love their people. And we need to nurture that. Everybody needs to nurture that. So children don't start out hating their parents. Some end up that way. But they don't start out that way. They start out loving their parents and wanting to spend time with them. What about making the household fun or at least not stressful to decrease some of the stress in the house? Is there a lot of nagging going on? Are people not on time getting their things done? Are the parents always critical, correcting, teaching all the time? Are they one-upping the child? A teenager, in particular, teenagers come home, you know, they tell us these things that are just so crazy. But they're still practicing thinking. How a teenager thinks today is not how they're going to think as an adult, unless they get delayed and stuck there. But if they're given the opportunity to grow and develop, they're not going to think like they did as a teenager. Oh my goodness, teenagers think crazy. If a parent's just sitting there doing nothing but watching TV or smoking or talking on the phone all the time, then the kids don't want to hang out with them either. But if you relate to the children, and even teenagers, and I've worked with knife-wielding, chain-wearing, next-to-gang member teenagers that still want to hang out with their parents, because in truth, they're all little kids on the inside. So I really encourage parents and guardians to just relate and enjoy time with the kids. Don't do so much instruction. Get that set up ahead of time. In In a place of work, the boss, hopefully, isn't walking around nagging and badgering and reiterating instructions over and over and over again, hopefully they're written somewhere. They've been gone over once or twice, and then that employee knows what to do. It's similar in the home. I really encourage people to look at their household much like a business. Everybody has a role. Everybody has to contribute. And the success of the business is because everyone worked together. And when you have a successful business or community, like a, like a family, then all of the individuals are successful as well. Just a win-win all around. I hear a lot of guardians complain that the teachers, the teenagers just hang out in their room. They won't come down and hang out with the guardian. But like I said, you, you've got to be fun to hang out with. And I don't mean a blast and making jokes all the time. I mean just not critical. Just not critical and correcting. Just be comfortable and talk about the weather or silly show or the cats kids don't mind that at all but they want to flee if we start saying so why didn't you do your homework and what about this and like oftentimes a partner comes home and vents about work and the other partner wants to give them ideas on how to fix the problem well we all know how to fix the problem we're just venting teenagers do the same they're venting about a teacher You don't want to um, give them all these ideas on how to fix the problem. Let them just vent. If they ask, or you can ask. If they ask you for some advice, or you can ask. If they'd like advice, they'll let you know one way or another, if they do or don't. Here's a thing that I think I've seen a lot of families missing. They want the children to be a contributing member, a participating, excuse me, a participating member of the household, but yet they don't give them any responsibilities to be a contributing member of the household. So if the children aren't participating in chores and other responsibilities, then when they're asked to be a member of the family, they really aren't a member of the family. They're, they're just not. So it's very important to, it's very important to establish expectations, boundaries and limits, of course, but also give children responsibilities. They really like it, believe it or not. 
if you if the if the, if you're assigning the trash, taking out the trash to one child, you have to treat that job as as important as any other job. And in truth, it is. I've told many many clients. All jobs are important. Some just get paid more than others, and some require more education than others. But all jobs are important. In New York, we know what happens when the trash workers, the waste management people, excuse me, go on strike. So their job is just as important as the the brain surgeon at the hospital that they're removing the trash from. You want to make all the jobs very important. When a child has trash as the job, let them know how, how helpful it is to you that you don't have to do it and how great it is that they take care of that responsibility. If you're nagging all the time, there's a problem. Badgering is a different issue. Badgering is abusive. A lot of people badger and they don't know it. They don't really mean to. You know, 99% of parents don't mean to be hurtful or screwy that's just where what they've learned that's from their life experiences but badgering is abusive so if you're badgering and that's basically nagging with more attitude and and relentless that it's just never stopping please note that's about your anxiety and your lack of self-confidence and self-esteem and get help for that. Badgering only hurts everybody. It doesn't just hurt the person that's being badgered. It hurts the person that's badgering too. It just creates more illness all around. And then nagging. Everybody seems to nag. I've certainly been there. But it's not necessary. And when we come back from break, I'm going to talk about nagging and how to avoid it. And what a relief it is. Once you get this system down, which I'll talk about in um, again when we come from break, back from break. It's 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 uh, so great when you get it down because it's liberating. You are no longer all stressed out. You push leave the stress to the other person who needs to take care of the responsibilities and do their job. Ultimately, we don't should control our kids. A lot of people want to, and we'd kind of like to, but we don't. It's a cooperation. It's a relationship. And if we treat it like a relationship, it kids improve. Everything about them improves. Their self-esteem, their ability to be independent thinkers. They're wanting to be home instead of out on the streets hanging out. When we treat them as though they're individuals and their own person, we can have rules and limits and expectations and still treat them with that kind of respect. They grow and we grow. We want children to learn self-control and cooperation. We might have the tools to teach them, but really ultimately the goal is we want them to learn self-control and cooperation. And that comes from clear expectations and boundaries, which have to be reasonable, of course. Expectations are very important in making a household run smoothly. Expectations are probably the first thing that need to be addressed. And we'll be right back after this message. Thank you. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com On It's Absolutely All About You, host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book, and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Make Life Work with Kathy Ellis. Kathy would love to hear from you with any questions or comments you might have. Please send your emails by clicking the email host button on the Make Life Work show page. Now back to the show. Hello, this is Kathy, and I'm back. I wanted to put in a plug first, before I start up again, for the International Food Blogging Blogger Conference, the International Food Blogger Conference, IFBC, in 2016. It's going to be in Sacramento this year. It's coming up next weekend. I'm a presenter. I'm really surprised that they picked my my um, the subject they had put out a bid for people to put in proposals and mine was chosen among others and I'm going to be talking about taste putting flavor into words and it's been fascinating research I'm really amazed how complicated the science and study of taste is it's really quite remarkable but I did want to put out that plug for the International Food Blogger Conference It's if any of you are food bloggers I went last year and it was so much fun and the people were so warm. Everyone was so warm and encouraging and really in some respect all competition to each other and still nonetheless very, very welcoming and encouraging. It was great fun and they feed you very well. So any of you bloggers out there, I'd suggest you look it up. The IFBC, International Food Blogger Conference. Okay, so enough of the plug. I want to come back to contribution. Parents, I've had a lot of guardians really argue with me or fight me on creating a chore chart or writing down a child's responsibilities and clearly identifying them. And I watched this for a long time and I wondered what what the hang-up was because these tools work like a charm I've seen kids that were physically assaultive in their households uh, come with a with a token system where we created a token system and they come with their jars with their tokens in them showing me how many tokens they earned and how how their behavior was changing. They were so excited. They didn't want to be assaultive. They wanted somebody to be in charge, and there wasn't. No one was in charge in the household. And after a few weeks, I go, how is the token system going? And they say, oh, we're not doing it anymore. Mom's not following through. And then they go back to the out-of-control assaultive behavior. But they were ready to change. So I look at a family like that, and I say, this parent doesn't want change. For whatever reason, they don't want change. Some of this change is pretty easy to do. Some parents say school is the child's responsibility and that's all they have to deal with. And that's not, school's not the community. School is not the household. That's a different gig over there. It would be kind of like saying to a spouse, oh, you go to work. So when you come home, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to put your dishes away or clean up after yourself. You don't have to pick the towels up off the floor. Um, I don't see anybody doing that. 
So it's the same for children. School's a separate entity. Yes, it is their responsibility, mostly between them and the school and their own sense of accomplishment. But at home, they need responsibilities. I highly recommend parents or guardians put them down in a job description format. You can even do evaluations. Most most companies evaluate their employees every six months or so, sometimes annually. If you're if there's trouble, then it's more frequent. This approach to household <clears throat> works. People sometimes are resistant to it because it's not spontaneous. Well, okay, the arguments are spontaneous, I guess. That's good. It's that the children should cooperate anyway. I shouldn't have to tell them. Well, I'm not sure why, because adults have to tell adults all the time to cooperate. And children are still learning. Teenagers are still learning. We do, I've, I've watched this pattern, which is very peculiar to me. We raise children till in, until about eight, and then we badger. We instruct, we teach until they hit, a, hit around eight years old, eight to ten, and then we badger and nag as though they're fully developed at eight to ten years old. We know today now the brain isn't out of this adolescent phase until 25. Kids need responsibility at home. They need chores. Now, some chores and responsibilities at home are, are not paid. They shouldn't be paid. They should be a part of being part of a community. I don't litter. I am not paid not to litter. I, I don't litter because I don't want you all to see my trash, and I don't want to hurt the earth. I follow tr- driving laws. I actually do. I would like everybody else to, too, please. But I follow those laws not to avoid a consequence or to be rewarded, but because that's the right thing to do. And and I have a community that's on the road with me, and I want to be kind to them. So part of the chores at home or the responsibilities at home are just because the kids belong to the community. But others, I really encourage you to pay them that parents pay them. It can be pay in tokens, which would be a, uh, have a value of some kind, like getting a book at the library or something at the dollar store, having lunch with mom or dad, or playing a game with mom or dad. You can do a token system if there's no money available, and those work just as well. They also teach the same economy that we have out, out in the real world. And I can go into that. If anybody's interested in a token system that's really good, that's very effective, please write me or email me at kjellis at omsoft.com. That's k-j-e-l-l-i-s at soft.com and you can also reach me through voiceamerica.com and I would be happy to speak with anybody or connect with anybody about a good effective token system but let's go to allowance this is what takes out the nagging this removes nagging from a household if you spell out very carefully and in writing what the expectations are and assign a dollar of value or a monetary value to them When they don't get done, you get to shrug your shoulders, put your hands up and shrug your shoulders and go, well, you knew what you needed to do and you're not going to earn your allowance on that. If there's a consequence set up ahead of time, it's the same thing. You get to shrug your shoulders and go, well, you knew what the rules were. Now you have a consequence. It takes the emotion out of it for the parent. Whenever you add the emotion to anything, it messes it up. So spell out what the what the chores are and responsibilities. And you can, if you have kids that are a little out of control right now, add things like curfew, what element of respect, if respect's an issue in the house, like no swearing, no name calling, don't raise your voice at me. Of course, you have to have, to have the same respect to the child. And I know it's very hard not to raise your voice sometimes. I know very well. So spell out their chores and add a monetary va- value to them. This allows them 
to learn time management. You're, you're training a future employee, by the way, and I've worked with enough employees that it was clear, you could clearly see how they were raised by their work ethic or their lack of it and their performance. Please raise good employees. We really need them. So listing out the chores allows them to learn time management. It allows them to learn to do various tasks. And it allows them that to learn a monetary system. Now, at the end of the week, this is the trick. Too many times this doesn't work because kids the few, first few weeks don't step up and do what they're asked. Then the parent gives up. So after a couple of weeks of you didn't earn any money this week, you didn't earn any of your allowance this week because you didn't do anything, everybody gives up. So what you do is you get dollar bills, whatever the breakup is you need, or euros, and you give, let's say it's 20, it could be 10, whatever the age is, you give them the money. Then you go over the chart of chores and you say, oops, you didn't do the dishes six out of seven nights. And now you take back the money you handed them, part of it for the dishes. Well, that's $2. Now you take back that $2. You go through the list and you take away, much like I earn a paycheck, it goes into my bank account, otherwise known as my hot little hand, and then PG&E comes along, my power company, my phone company, they start taking out of my money. So the child needs to see the money in hand and then lose it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, then, and then have it removed. Oh, you see what I mean. And take it away per item they didn't complete. Very, It's very effective. And I've had a lot of parents come back and said it worked like a charm. And like I said, this removes a lot of nagging. Of course, you want those things done. And eventually, it, it, initially, those things that they don't do, you might end up having to do initially. But hold on. Give it two months. Three if things are troubled, but two months, really, you should start seeing a good effect within one month. I would do weekly check-ins on chores and responsibilities and allowance. But you, if you hang in there, you'll see some effect and some differences. And then the, when there's less nagging, there's more cooperation. I've seen this between spouses, and I'm going to go gender-specific because these these tend to be the way it works. This tends to be the way it works. The wife nags the husband to get things done, and the more she nags, the more he digs his heels in. Everyone's got mom issues, it seems. So the less nagging, the more cooperation. The more nagging, the less cooperation. They work, that, that is exactly how it works. And plus, you all know, the, those of us who have nagged in our lives, it makes, us, it makes us ill. It doesn't make us feel good either. And it just adds bad energy to the whole place. So no more nagging. List chores and responsibilities. Do some kind of token system or allowance system. But let them see what they earn, what their allowance is, and then what they lost from not cooperating or what they earned from cooperating. And we're going to take a break now, and I'll be back in a little bit. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Life is a journey which never gets easier. As we go through life, we just handle things better as we get to know ourselves. Listen for the Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli believes that each of us are pre-programmed with all the answers and tools we need to move through any situation life throws at us. It's discovering those tools and answers that will set us on the right path to enjoying and navigating life. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Make Life Work with Kathy Ellis. Kathy would love to hear from you with any questions or comments you might have. Please send your emails by clicking the email host button on the Make Life Work show page. Now back to the show. Hello, this is Kathy, and we're talking about families and households, making them a little less stressful and running a little smoother. You know, this is this could be a whole semester's class on this. So getting it all in one hour is a little tight, but I'll be talking about this over and over again throughout the shows in the future. So it's all coming back down to raising individual thinkers and independent people. At the beginning of the show, I said something about a child's attitude and behavior isn't personal to that it, it's easy to experience it as personal for a parent but that it's not it's not something they're doing to the parent it's how they're responding from their life experience their genetics and their relationships but i want think i want you to think about this a kid snaps at a parent and a parent personalizes that, that and takes that personally. But yet, when we snap at a child, we expect them to not personalize it. We expect them to listen to what we're snapping, not the snap. Well, nobody listens to what we're snapping. They only listen to the snap. So no one can hear you when you're yelling. It's that same sort of thing. They tune it out. But we have double. We have uh, different expectations for children than we do ourselves. In fact, we hold children to a higher standard, a higher standard than adults hold themselves to, which I'll go into other times. But remember, when a kid snaps at you, or is getting pissy with you, and you're personalizing it, remember that the next time you're getting pissy with your kid, or snapping at your kid. Why shouldn't they be able to personalize that if you do? Now, I say nobody should personalize any of it because really we are a bundle of our life experiences and are acting accordingly. Every time anybody opens their mouth, it's coming from their life experiences, their current circumstance, and the the state of their relationships. We can change that, though. We can make that a little better of parents who struggle with yelling and badgering. Again, badgering is not good for anybody either is yelling, nagging, great frustration, this constant battle that parents are often in. Most parents, even the ones that are hypercritical, most parents don't want to be. They want to love their kids. They want to raise their kids right. They want to treat them right. Most parents are walking around with these baskets of guilt that just weigh hundreds of pounds because they're human and they're messing up all the time and they feel guilty about it. And I, and I wish you wouldn't. I, guilt, guilt does nothing. Guilt doesn't help anything. It's never stopped any behavior. You just do it again and feel even more guilty. But most parents I know love their children and they want to do the right thing and do their best. But they come with their own life experiences that sort of messed everybody up. All right, there's a quote from a movie, Hope Floats. Sandra Bullock was in it, and I don't know how else. Hope Floats. Ten-year-old says to grandmother, Grandma, Mom says childhood's the best time of your life. And Grandma looks at her and says, Oh, bullshit. Childhood's something that happens to you. You spend the rest of your life trying to get over I have used that so many times because it is so true. 
And if we could get to a point where we recognize that, then we can laugh at ourselves better and easier. And we go, wait, oh, that's an old pattern. We can stop ourselves quicker. Oh, I get where that's coming from. That's got nothing to do with you. That's this stuff that I carry around with it. This is my baggage that I brought. This isn't about you. The more we can recognize that we spend a lifetime trying to get over our childhood, again, the better we can laugh at ourselves and maybe get a little handle on or a little control of all the leftover residue from that childhood. And that's not to say that our childhood's parts or all were wonderful. But you know it's hard growing. You know it's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's hard being a kid. So we want our children to learn self-control and cooperation. It's a little different. I'm splitting hairs here, which I tend to do. But teaching children self-control and cooperation is a different thing than them learning. And if we flip how we're thinking about this, so I'm talking to my child, or at least in my mind, I want you to learn versus I want to teach. One is about them. And one, of course, is about me. I'm going to teach along the way. That's inevitable. But really, you're here, child, to learn. This is your life. And I want you to learn the best that you can so you have a wonderful life. Clear expectations really make a difference. Limits and boundaries. Limits and boundaries. Consistent, firm limits and boundaries. Wait, I used to have a saying, firm, fair, and consistent. That's it. Firm, fair, and consistent. Firm is not mean. It's clear. Fair is reasonable, not punishing. And consistent is consistent. Don't worry about 100% consistency because no one's ever going to get there. If you go for 85, 80% consistent, 85%, you're doing an excellent job. Firm, fair, and consistent. I have had more kids from 6 to 18 say, I don't need another friend. I need a parent. My parent doesn't love me because he or she never says no. My parent doesn't know where I am at 11 o'clock at night, and and it hurts me. My parents don't care because they don't care where I go. You know, the kids that complain, the parents that call the friend's parents before you, you I got to talk to your friend's parents before you can hang out at their house. Very important. I would do this every time. The children are going to piss and moan about it, and that's too bad. And I'll let you in on the secret. Secretly, they appreciate it, they've told me. In sessions over and over and over again, they appreciate it. They'll grumble and they'll complain but they appreciate it because it says to them, their safety is important to you. And that equals love. If you, can, if you engage kids in conversation, then, if, so engage kids in conversation versus lecturing them. I've told lots of parents lectures have to be three sentences or less. Many say they can't do that. It's a goal to strive for. You notice, you'll notice just here, me droning on here, you're going to go in and out of attention. You're not going to stay with, the, with me the whole time. One, it's a one-sided conversation, which I kind of like. But um, uh, you want to talk with your kids, ask them questions, even if it's about a consequence later on. So they were restricted last weekend. You might ask them over dinner or in the car. The car is a great place to talk to kids. So what do you think about last weekend when you were restricted? Why were you restricted? Right. And what do you think about that? How about next time, what if we do this? Or what if you do that? Converse with them. Get them to think. Get them to look at their own behavior and self-correct. Parents need to self-correct also. And when you start to talk with children and teens versus at them, things start to run smoother. They will come to you more often when they're when they are confused or puzzled or they need to talk about something. If every time they go to you, you give them s- some correction, well, I, you know, they say something about a teacher like I said earlier and you give them my well you should do this and you should do that. That's not a conversation. That's speaking at them. Ask them what they think they should do. Ask them what ideas they have. They're smart. 
kids are smart. In fact, they're brilliant until life gets in their way and dulls them down. They're much smarter than us grown-ups, by the way. We have more information stored in our brain, but they're fle- they're flexible thinkers. They have they think differently. They're wise. They see different. They're intuitive. We got all damped down with res- with life. Consequences versus punishment. Consequences are something that happened when you knew they were going to happen if you did or didn't do something. So if I get pulled over for a speeding ticket, the ticket is a consequence. It's not a punishment. If I get pulled over for a speeding ticket and I get dragged out of the car for no, with no provocation and arrested, that's a punishment. Because there's nothing that in my scenario that said that was warranted and it wasn't expected. But the, if I'm speeding and I get a ticket, I expect that. Plus, I don't speed. Don't you speed either. Um, consequences for teenagers. So next Friday, your curfew is 12. They come home late, and then I restrict them the next weekend, but they had no idea that's a punishment. I say next weekend, your, or Friday, your curfew is at 12, and if you're more than 10 minutes late... You will be restricted the following weekend and be specific about what that restriction is. It could be they just don't go out or their electronics or friends over. you got to figure that out. Then when they're late, you don't have to badger or nag them. You can go, oh, I'm glad you're home and safe. You don't even have to say you're restricted next weekend. They already know. You might bring it up Monday or next Thursday when they're saying, can I go out this weekend? You go, oh, no. Remember, you were late last week, so you restricted this week. It falls on, the responsibility falls on them, and you get to sort of pull the emotional part out of it, your emotional part out of it. If you can set up as many expectations and consequences and rewards as you can think of ahead of time, that's great. But don't worry about thinking of absolutely every scenario because once you get this pattern going where you're no longer nagging, the responsibility is on the child, the consequences, the responsibility of the consequences is on the child, then when something new comes up, there's, there isn't going to be the fight and the argument. The, the child, the teen is going to know how, it's, how things are going to go when they know you're going to be reasonable because you've been proving to be reasonable. You're going to be consistent because you've been proving to be consistent. You're going to be caring because even though they may make mistakes, you still love them. And you've proven that and shown that, that you don't treat them like mistakes mean they're a pile of caca. Mistakes are who we are. Mistakes are what we do. They are not who we are. So if you can't think of every scenario, don't worry about it. But I come up with a good 10, especially for a teenager of expectations, limits, and boundaries, and then consequences and rewards. And it's important to listen. I said this last week, and I'll say it a million times. In order to become an independent thinker, we need to learn how to listen. Today, too many people listen with anticipation of what they're going to say, or they're trying to anticipate what you're going to say, and they don't listen. Listening is a skill It's a skill that's disappearing, and we really need it to have independent thinkers. If I don't know how to listen, then I don't hear some of the BS that's coming across, let's say, in news or from people, and I get on a bandwagon or go out for a cause without really looking at thinking it through and doing my own research. People that don't think independently people who don't have good listening skills and think independently get themselves in trouble, teenagers. And you can teach these skills to teenagers, even little kids. They'll get themselves into trouble because they're not going to think things through before they get in the car with that drunk driver or their friend or, or you know all the scenarios. So we have to teach listening skills, and the best way to teach listening skills is by modeling listening. Listen paraphrase a little bit I what I heard you say was even if you disagree it's okay what I heard you say is this and they'll let you know if you're right or wrong 
And if they're you're you're right, you can say, well, I understand your point of view, but you're still going to be restricted, or you're still going to get that consequence, or you're still not dropping out of school in freshman year and traveling the world, whatever it is. But you can listen to them and then paraphrase back a little bit what they said. They taught us this a lot in the school. You want, to, you want to have conversations when you're not angry. You can have conversations about limits and consequences and, and things that they messed up, but do it when you're not angry. When you're angry, you say, I'm angry. I'm very angry that you did X, Y, and Z. I need to cool off. I need to think about it. We will talk about this tomorrow. That's perfectly okay. Nothing ever is solved when you start laying into a kid at the time the infraction occurred. That is not the best learning time. In the car, talking in the car is a remarkable way to get kids to open up, by the way. Over meals, when things are calm, sitting around watching a little silly TV maybe. That's the time for teaching, not in the middle of whatever the issue was or, or the infraction was. And you also, besides paraphrasing, you don't always have to paraphrase. Sometimes you just need to reflect back their important points. Example, yes, I understand I didn't make Sally clean her room. I see that's how, I get that's how you see it. But we're not talking about Sally right now. We're talking about you and I need you to clean your room. By the way, I want to get hooked in that scenario. I want to talk about Sally. I want to say, well, I didn't make Sally clean her room because she's always on it and she's it's always clean and today she had and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And if I did that, I would lose that game. So you, I understand. You think I didn't. I understand Sally didn't make her room. We're not talking about cleaner room. We're not talking about Sally. We're talking about you. Try to stay focused. It's very hard. Kids are really masters at getting adults off topic quite they're quite good at it it's important so it's important to listen and independent thinkers are imperative now to the survival of our world it's getting clearer and clearer and clearer we need people to be independent thinkers. Independent thinkers tend not to steal. They tend not to embezzle. They tend not to rig elections. Independent thinkers are themselves, their own person. They do what is right. They avoid doing what is wrong. They don't justify their behavior and their beliefs. And we need a few generations of these folks now because things are just falling apart. Independent thinkers don't fall for innuendo and misinformation. They don't get sucked into groupthink. They don't get into the mob mentality. They come out of things, they, they make decisions out of, from, from, excuse me, they make decisions that are well thought out and well informed. That's an independent thinker. Independent thinkers have respect for other people because they don't feel threatened by the ideals and beliefs of others. And one more thing about giving consequences. When you do go ahead and give a consequence, it's okay to listen. Like I was saying, a child saying, well, you didn't make Sally clean her room. Um, It's okay to listen a little bit. That doesn't mean you're going to lose authority. Too many parents think they're going to lose authority authority if they listen uh, to their children. And in fact, they gain respect and they gain more authority by far. The more you respect somebody else, the more authority and respect you have. Consequences should be mostly natural if you can do it. Sometimes you have to get pretty creative. An example would be if a child doesn't get off the phone for phone curfew, then they lose the phone next time. Stuff like that. And next week, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to be, I'm going to talk about this a lot. This is stuff that I know and I've been doing for so long. So I will be threading this throughout all of the shows. 
It's all about independent thinking, developing autonomy in individuation, becoming our own person so we can make our own decisions that are not influenced or produced really from other people. So we can be our own person and our own selves. And that is in part one of the keys to happiness as well. We'll be talking about happiness in another, in another show, too. And next week, I hope to have a guest. I actually hope to have Doris Jones with me, a licensed social worker and wonderful woman, if I can talk her into it. If not, I will have somebody else with me next week, and I'll let you know who it'll be. This week, I want you to, again, I ask people to look at things from a new perspective. Try something different. If you're even in a relationship, if you're having to nag, stop, back up, regroup, think it through, do something different. That pattern becomes this indelible pattern and everybody gets sucked into it and stuck in it. If you don't like it, step back and try a different approach. Like I said, sometimes you have to get creative. Um, Sometimes you have to go do a little bit of your own work, maybe vent with a friend or chat with a friend or a confidant to see what you can do a little differently so you don't have to nag. And that's going to be it for today. I know I just have seconds left. So try try to look at things differently this week like your judgment try when you find yourself judging I do it everybody does it so you look at that person over there and you size them up and you judge what they're wearing and you think ew they're wearing that look at it differently think think about it uh, have a different perspective try to look at things with a different perspective and lose some judgment and you will be happier The less judgmental you are, the happier you are. It goes hand in hand. And I'm ready to close up for this week. Thank you so much for being there again this week. And I will see you next week. This is Kathy. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Make Life Work. Please join your host, Kathy Ellis, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show... Try to see your life and world through a new perspective. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.